Wow, today, right now, is an emergency episode. The crypto world is going through one today. I'm joined by Matt Feibach, uh, research analyst on the BlockWorks research team. Matt, what was the word you just were using to describe what's going on today? Today has been a huge shit show, and thank you so much for having me on, Jack. Appreciate it. It's my pleasure, Matt. You are a really, really smart guy, and I've learned a lot about crypto uh, working working alongside you. Describe in broad strokes what happened today. So about uh, over $100 billion of uh, decreases in, in value has been, has been lost in the crypto ecosystem today. Uh, the selling has been targeted everywhere, but particularly around FTT, which is the FTX token. Describe what, what's, what's going on just for folks like me who don't really know what's going on. Yeah, so I guess let's start with some context and background, right? FTX has this token, FTT. FTT's main value proposition is that a third of trading fee revenue on FTX goes to buying and burning the FTT token. When it comes to tokens in the crypto space, it's actually like pretty valuable tokenomics. You know, two weeks ago, I probably would have said that it's one of the better tokenomic models out there. A week ago, so I believe around last Wednesday, I'm not sure the exact date, Coindesk released a report that had a leaked supposed balance sheet for Alameda. Alameda is a hedge fund started by SBF prior to FTX. SBF? Al- who is SBF? SBF is Sam Bankman-Fried. He's, a, I believe, 29, maybe 30-year-old. I think he's $9, $10 billion, or that was his estimated net worth before today. Who knows what it is now? Um, and he's just like generally recognized as one of the smartest people in the crypto space. He's not an OG. I think, you know, the first time I heard of him was probably 2019, 2000, something around there. So, you know, he's kind of new, but he quickly rose to fame and became, in my opinion, probably the best known name in crypto, maybe even more so than Satoshi, which is crazy to say. Anyways, he starts a hedge fund. They make a ton of money at arbitrage in 2017, 2018, 2019, um, early supposedly. That's kind of the word on the grapevine or has been for a very long time. Alameda is like this huge hedge fund market maker killing it. And they start the FTX exchange. FTX quickly became known as one of, quote unquote, the safest exchanges in crypto. Um, SBF was doing a lot of lobbying in D.C. He's well known. Uh, They launched the FTT token at some point after the FTX exchange was live. A week ago, Coindesk released a report that had the bal- a leaked balance sheet for Alameda, the hedge fund. Uh, it's worth noting that Alameda and FTX don't have any direct relation, as in no one knows the relation, but there is one there. Um, Alameda did start the exchange after all. Anyways, they... they, yeah, they, they well, sorry, both entities were started by SBF, Sam Bankman fried Correct. Yes. Correct. And Alameda came first. Um, anyways, this balance sheet had some worrisome details on there. The one launched by Coindesk, it basically said that they had $14 billion in assets. Out of those $14 billion, I believe it was something like $7 billion or $8 billion in liabilities. And out of the $7 billion that was actually like, you know, their assets that they owned, I think something like $5 billion of that was the FTT token. So not only were most the, were they overexposed to the FTT token, according to this report, but also they had a huge amount of liabilities against it. This is really worrisome because, you know, if the FTT token decreases in value, they're going to get a margin call. And do they have the assets to, you know, to cover their margin? Who knows? Everyone gets worried, starts kind of like a run on the bank type situation on FTX. People start leaving, getting worried, just nervousness all over the place. And I think maybe two, three days later, CZ of Binance. So CZ is the founder of Binance, the guy that created it. uh, I believe one of the richest people in the world, although that's not like on the Forbes 100 list or whatever, but he owns 100% of the biggest crypto exchange in the world, um, very wealthy man. He tweets that they are going to, so sorry, just one more thing, which is that Binance was a seed investor in FTX and helped incubate the exchange. 
they had $550 million in FTT tokens. And a couple of days after this Coindesk report launched, they said that they were nervous about the financial stability of you know, FTX Exchange, Alameda, and that they were going to market dump their $550 million in FTT. Now that's when like everyone went really crazy. It went from just like a little bit of nervousness and all the group chats to really like worry all across the board. You know, everyone at Blockworks is talking about it. Everyone pretty much any anyone who's on crypto Twitter, this is like on their radar at this point. The CEO of Alameda, who's not Sam, it's this it's a lady named Caroline, although today she changed her Twitter bio to crypto trader. So maybe not anymore. But as of two days ago, she was the CEO of Alameda. She tweeted that they actually have $10 billion in extra assets that were not included in this report. Um, you know, if they actually have these $10 billion in assets, that should that should calm a lot of the worries. They should be able to cover their margin. But who knows what those assets actually are? Are they liquid? Are they illiquid? VC investments, directional positions, you know, who knows? Staked. Lots of different things in crypto very much could be a liquid. So, you know, there's no way to really know exactly what these what these assets are. CZ continues, you know, well, we're still market. We're still market dumping our coins. Caroline says we'll buy them all at twenty two dollars at the time. FTT is trading around twenty three dollars. Um, and CZ says, no, you know, not interested. I'm going to keep my market exposure. I, I don't want the twenty two dollar offer. At the dead and, next day. Oh, sorry, 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 but so FTT at the time was at $23. Now, by the way, it's at $4. The CEO of Alameda Research said, oh, don't worry about liquidity. We can buy them all from you at $22, a small discount. And the reason that CZ, who is the CEO of Binance, said no is because he didn't want to pay that small discount? Well, I mean, we can only speculate on why he said no, but uh, I would believe that the reason he's he wanted to say no was because he had an idea of what would end up happening, um, which was, you know, two days later today, FTX announces or FTX doesn't announce anything, but Binance ends up buying FTX today, this morning. Um, I think he probably knew that with FTT's token going down in value, Alameda might have been screwed and he might have knew something that other people didn't. Um, there's a chance that, you know, FTX is just the Alameda just lost so much money and had such a big ownership in FTX that they decided to sell it. But I believe more likely based on the fact that FTX has since paused withdrawals, meaning anyone who has money in FTX. And it's worth noting, this is FTX's global exchange, not FTX.us. FTX.us is still okay, but normal FTX is there. You cannot withdraw your money currently. Who knows how many billions of dollars are still in there? But yeah, there's a, a ton of money that's just you know frozen in FTX at the moment. And for all we know, there could be a huge hole in their balance sheet where there might have been something suspicious going on where like Alameda was giving, or sorry, FTX was giving money to Alameda and, uh, you know, they were doing things that would result in illiquidity on users' deposits. This is probably the most likely situation in my head, although, you know, it's complete speculation and there is no confirmation of it yet. So what are the liabilities for FTX and what are the liabilities for Alameda? Because to have a real liquidity crunch, it's not just that your assets have to fall in value. Also, you have to have people calling you up saying, hey, give me my freaking money back. So who is that for the case of FTX, the exchange? And who is that for the case of Alameda, the hedge fund? So one would have hoped that FTX didn't have any liabilities. When you're deposit, when you, me or you were tra you know, user, trader, or whatever, or depositing money to an exchange, you'd hope and expect that they have that money stored as co in cold storage or in, even in hot store, hot wallets. It doesn't really matter. But you hope that those assets are liquid and you know they're truthfully holding your assets. So you'd hope that FTX didn't actually have any liabilities. What I expect, and I don't know if this is true yes. or not. So, sorry, Matt. I think in the TradFi world, uh, like if a broker, if I'm a brokerage and you buy and sell stocks, if you have, if you have some stocks, on, it would be a, officially a liability for, uh, for an, as an accounting principle. 
like like it, it is a liability but you saying those liabilities if 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 your liabilities are Sorry. oh matt owns a bitcoin you should have the freaking bitcoin <laughs> so their their liabilities are to the you know users token holders token depositors yeah. anyone who's custodying their money with ftx those are who their liabilities really should be to there's a good chance that they also have liabilities to Alameda, meaning, or sorry, I guess Alameda would have liabilities to FTX, meaning that FTX was giving some user deposits to Alameda to trade with, VC invest in, whatever they might have been doing with it. Um, and then this created illiquidity in user deposits, which may or may not have led to the withdrawals. Again, that's speculation. There's no confirmation yet that FTX doesn't have all the money, but why else would they be pausing and halting withdrawals? Um, you know, I talked to someone today who had seven or eight figures locked up in FTX that they weren't able to get out. And they're basically, you know, extremely, extremely nervous on the phone today. Wow. And just to set the stage, Matt, this happened earlier in the crypto world, the company called Celsius, where people who Celsius told them they were depositing their money, they called it that. But actually, if you read the fine print, they were actually making a loan to Celsius and that people could not get their funds out of Celsius. But people, you know, many people in the know, like you in the crypto world, as well as people like me who are not even in the know, but like we brush shoulders with people who are in the know and we hear things. We kind of knew that Celsius was, you know, Celsius, to put it mildly, did not have the blue chip reputation that a company like FTX did. FTX was, you know, some people were calling it the JP Morgan of the crypto world, not even the JP Morgan company, but literally John Pierpoint Morgan, who bailed out the TradFi system in, in 1907 because he was making investments in, in BlockFi and all many other you know, beleaguered crypto firms. Can you just speak, Matt, to how big of a deal you know, this is? This is, this is not some, you know, a, a few kids getting a hedge fund together and they go, they go bankrupt. This is, you know, these people, these, he was brushing shoulders with, uh, you know, Bill Clinton. <laughs> A hundred percent. SPF was one of the most well-respected people in crypto, maybe the most well-respected person in crypto. Alameda was looked at as, you know, the top tier hedge fund where quants wanted to go work. Um, I believe it's a prop shop. But anyways, it's, you know, the amount of respect that was put on SPF and Alameda is really incomparable to any other person or, or organization in crypto. When you look at, you know, the government, the regulators were listening to him. When you look at hedge funds, you know, the amount of counterparty risk to FDX, I can't even imagine how many hedge funds are either going to go belly up or lose a huge portion of their AUM because of counterparty risk to FDX if they're unable to get their deposits out. It's really, really insane. It's probably the craziest thing I've ever seen in crypto, at least to the downside. When you look at the situation with Celsius, it was also like out of this world ridiculous. Um, but it was a little more, I don't want to say expected because there's plenty of people out there who didn't expect it. But Celsius was a like you knew your you knew your funds could be a liquid, right? You knew they were going to go take those funds and lend them out or do something with them. What we found out was that they had them in, you know, potentially in things that were uh, less than AAA lend loans. They had it in DeFi and, th- you know, and they lost money in hacks. They lost money in UST and Terra Luna. Heavily uh, impaired assets, whereas FTX, you, you we thought of them as the blue chip of the blue chips. But you know, it was disclosed recently. One of their uh, big holdings was in MIM, which, for people who don't know, stands for Magic Internet Money, which is on the Abracadabra protocol. So, doesn't sound very blue chip to me when it's you know, it's what you what you own is on the Abracadabra protocol. So MIM's actually not that bad, right? Um, <laughs> so MIM's, MIM's an over-collateralized stablecoin. It sounds ridiculous because they do call it Magic Internet Money, but what MIM really is is you know, users can go deposit 
a plethora of assets, including some long tail ones, which does make it a little bit suspicious, but they have to be over collateralized and then they can borrow this stablecoin MIM against it. If their collateral assets start losing value, they get liquidated when they fall below a certain health factor, a certain loan to value, meaning that let's say it's 120% that if you're over collateralization, if you're the money you've put in the protocol is not 120%, 1.2 times the amount of MIM or the equivalent of dollars that you have borrowed against it, it gets liquidated. The protocol makes some money. Whoever liquidates it makes some money. Um, so it's actually like not the worst model. It's pretty sound. It's what Maker, MakerDAO and DAI used to deploy. It's changed a little bit since then. But um, yeah, so it's like MIM's not actually the, the worst thing, <laughs> but it does sound pretty bad for sure. Yeah, well, maybe I was uh, a little too hasty in my, in my judgment there. I was, I was judging the protocol by its cover. Uh, so Matt, walk me through the different ways this can end out. Let's start with the rosy scenario, the best possible scenario. Binance you know, if you go on news website right now, they'll say Binance to acquire FTX. It has not, the deal has not closed yet. There's a letter of intent. We'll see. Um, you know, maybe it will go through, maybe, maybe it won't. If it goes through, that's a pretty, uh, not a bullish scenario, but a, the least bearish scenario uh, where, you know, hedge funds who had large uh, exposures to FTX, now they'll be made whole. I, I don't know, maybe not. So, so what happens? Yeah, let's go through the different scenarios. Starting with the, the least bearish one. Yeah. So you just made a very important point of distinction, which I, when I said earlier that, you know, this announcement came out that Binance was buying FTX, it was actually the only announcement was that CZ had signed a letter of intent to buy FTX. <clears throat> there's a chance that that doesn't go through, right? If there's, if there's things going on in FTX that CZ doesn't like, if there's, you know, suspicious stuff going on, which it does seem like there is, he doesn't actually have to go through with this purchase. If he doesn't go through with this purchase and my speculation is correct and FTX doesn't have liquid assets to cover depositors, well, now we're in the most bearish situation. I know you asked for the most bullish one, sorry, but it's as simple to start with the most bearish one. Um, the most bullish one would be it does go through, right? So if Binance does actually purchase FTX, users get all their money back, you know, at the end of the day, Crypto is more centralized. Binance is already the biggest player in centralized exchanges, but they're going to go to a very hard uh, Goliath to topple, I would say. They're you know really moving up in all of 72 hours. They're going to have gone from the biggest to a, a almost like a an incumbent, someone that's you know just too big to fit. Uh, I don't want to say that on your podcast. <laughs> but dangerous, you know, dangerous worries, though. Yeah. Huge. Absolutely huge. They have their own stablecoin. They have their own uh, layer one blockchain, Binance chain. Um, so yeah, they're you know they're they're really in, they're really moving into a legitimate power player position. FTX depositors will be okay. Everyone will be happy. Binance this morning, right after their announcement to purchase, said that they are going to have proof of their liquidity in the future. So they're going to actually be able to show through cryptographic proofs that they have your user deposits, you know, locked up. It's not going to some hedge fund and investing in VC deals or something that you know sounds pretty ridiculous to most people listening. I would imagine, and I think that this is the best outcome we can hope for. Uh, I would also say that one thing that's you know not ideal is SBF was a huge proponent of crypto in DC. Well, not everyone in crypto agreed with his his ideals and what he was what he was aiming for. Regulators listened to him. Regulators probably aren't going to listen to CZ in the same way. Um, I believe he was born in China. I'm not sure where he's based now. No longer China, but still not the United States. Uh, you know, Binance offers perpetual futures and options. They're not tradable in the United States. They do have a U.S. site, Binance U.S., but still. Yeah, so Sam Bankman-Fried was one of the biggest donors in D.C., particularly to the Democratic Party. And yeah, rumor was had it that he was quite cozy. I, I imagine he's uh, 
star has fallen perhaps perhaps a little bit and yeah as you say not now uh cz he does not have those relationships so the the thesis that oh someone from within crypto will sort of infiltrate the the politician world and and make them more friendly to crypto that seems a little bit less likely yeah exactly um and you never know at the end of the day there are lobbying groups in crypto now and he's a unbelievably rich person he can fund lobbying for you know what he likes but it it won't be as transparent at least in my opinion um it's not going to be the stuff that we see youtube videos of and it might be a little bit less ideal having a non-american at least as an american and as like a patriot it would be less ideal having a cz lobby than sbf in my opinion what do you think ftx was doing with customer funds because in a tweet that we can show on screen, Sam Bankman-Fried said, I think this is a day ago, maybe two days ago, uh, a competitor is trying to go after us with false rumors, talking about CC of Binance. FTX is fine, assets are fine. And then in the details section below, he said, we don't do anything with your assets and we don't even buy treasuries with your assets. We don't invest client assets, uh, even, in, even in treasuries. So do you, do you think that's accurate? It's all speculation, right? All I can do is give my best guess. But my best guess is that they were doing things with customer assets. It doesn't really make a whole lot of sense in my head that they would be in such a you know rush to fire sale off FTX if they actually had enough liquidity and enough liquid assets to back their customers' deposits. They would be able to wait at, wait it out for a higher bidder. You know, it just doesn't really make sense. Um, I could be wrong. There could be something I'm missing, for sure. Not even a question. But that's definitely kind of my. Uh, my take on it. They were most likely giving money to Alameda. What Alameda was doing with those funds, it's hard to it's hard to guess because Alameda pretty much did everything. They'd seed invest, they'd ICO invest, they yield farm, they market made, they literally, you know, across the board traded pretty much everything. They took directional positions as well. It's really hard to know what they were doing. They had about $200 million on fund, sorry, on chain, meaning there's about $200 million that anyone could track. But at the same time, that's such a tiny portion of their either 14 or 24 billion dollars in assets depending who you ask yeah why is it i mean in crypto it's everything's supposed to be on the blockchain why is it that you know two to four percent of alameda's money only two to four percent is, is on chain and so much is not on chain well i would believe that they had more money on chain in untracked wallets meaning in order to actually track someone's money that's on chain you have to know you have to be able to connect the entity person organization with the wallet address so, you know, astute people out there went and figured out that this wallet was FTX's, this this wallet was Alameda's. That happens all the time. Nansen, the Thai, there's literally big data companies who solely exist with the purpose of doing this wallet tracking type of thing. They definitely still could have had obfuscated wallets, meaning wallets that you didn't know that they were tied to Alameda. But realistically, no matter what, they still are going to have the majority of their funds on centralized exchanges. Um, that's where the deep liquidity is, especially for Alameda against speculation. But you would assume that their relationship with FTX involved that they probably had lower latency to the FTX exchange and were able to market make that really easy, uh, especially compared to other market makers. So they might have been like the sole uh, the, the sole beneficiary of you know arbitrage opportunities and things of that nature on the FTX exchange. I just want to re revisit a question that I, I asked, and you gave me a good answer, but I just want to re-explore re it. So I feel like to have a liquidity crunch, you have to owe, you have to have a debt in a currency which you don't control. So, for example, if I have a debt denominated in U.S. dollars, 
I can go bankrupt because I can't make dollars. Likewise, if you know Argentina, the country of Argentina has debt in dollars, they can go bankrupt because they can't print dollars. But the U.S. government can print dollars. It seems like a lot of uh, FTX's debt was in, correct me if I'm wrong, a, a, an asset, FTT, which they did control. They could print, or no, I'm wrong. No, I believe their debt, well, although there's no specifics out yet, I do believe their debt was in other assets with the collateral being their FTT. That's not good. Not good <laughs> at all. No. <laughs> so not only were they overexposed to FTT, um, at least according to this Coindesk balance sheet, but also they had a huge amount of liabilities against FTT. So it's kind of like double trouble on that one. Yeah. Wow. Uh, yeah. What do you, What do you think this means for other players in crypto? And I guess that means you know crypto hedge funds, uh, whales, r- retail, ex- other exchanges. Like, yeah, how does this impact the ecosystem? And yeah, here we are moving out of pure fact into pure speculation. So yeah, we, we no one knows what's going to happen. You, you, yeah. So what we do know is that there were a ton of different companies and crypto protocols with liabilities with liabilities, sorry, that had lent out money. There was a ton of crypto protocols and companies who had lent out money to Alameda. So we don't know what the collateralization on these assets were, but we know that that's a fact. So like, you know, for DeFi, it's really transparent. It's easy to see who's lent out money. So you can look at something like TrueFi. I believe they have about $12 million in uncollateralized loans to Alameda. They're probably in trouble, you can imagine. Outside of DeFi, it's a lot less transparent. You don't really know who's got who's lent out, and who you know it's all it's all behind closed doors. But you could I've heard you know just rumors, and again, it's only rumors. No, nothing at all that would confirm this in my head. But I've heard Jump and Genesis were both very exposed to Alameda. Again, speculation, but you know Jump is one of the biggest quant funds in crypto. They market make pretty much everything across the board. Genesis already had a large mishap this year with winter with uh without sorry with 3ac so you know for genesis this might be uh i don't want to say it but you know it could even potentially be like the nail in the coffin for them um and you know they're a huge company they're owned by digital currency group which is actually it's actually like this is funny something someone mentioned to me earlier like dcg actually owns coindesk too so if this is true and genesis is in big trouble they're you know they're they're sister companies genesis and coindesk it's almost like coindesk screwed over you know their own parent yeah. company so crazy, it's almost like if the, if the blockworks news re- reporting team reported on a scandal about forward guidance and it put my podcast out of business exactly <laughs> and you have to imagine their trading arm is bringing in more revenue than their journalism arm although who knows but you'd have to imagine yeah this is this is freaking wild man you've got a uh, anything else you want to share with us matt I would just add that, like, you know, that contagion could be contained or it could be extremely far reaching. The butterfly effect could be pretty crazy. Um, This is probably like one of the craziest days in crypto I've ever seen. The last 72 hours, some of the craziest 72 hours I've ever seen. The fact that all of this went down so quick, the fact that the market's down, you know, $100 billion just wiped off of the crypto market cap, FTT down some odd 80%. Um, you know, really, really insane stuff. And I don't really think that it's that I see a first, like a, end, a quick end in sight, I would say. I think that we're going to continue to see a, this narrative form. We're going to learn more. We're going to find out, was FTX giving money to Alameda? Do they have a hole in their balance sheet? Will the deal go through? I think this confusion is going to continue. And it's, you know, two ways of thinking about it. Looking at it pessimistically, it's like, 
very bad for the current moment in crypto optim- and could be bad for the future too, depending if too much control goes to Binance and stuff like that. And then on the optimistic side, I would say, you know, maybe it's a good time to be getting interested in crypto. Uh, you know, there's not a lot of opportunities like this where things just get huge red candles down. And additionally, like maybe people like want to learn about self-custody now, right? So I've always been a huge proponent of people should learn about self-custody. You know, at the end of the day, if you find it too difficult, custody your money on a centralized exchange. But after the last you know, 12 months, 24 months with two huge custodians, just absolutely screwing over their depositors. It's like, come on guys, it's time to learn how to, how to, Keep your money on chain. It's be your own bank. You know, it's the whole thesis of the space. Yes. I feel like I'm someone who can wrap my head around the sort of ideology of crypto, but I'm not a technology. Like I'm, I'm a finance person, but not a technology person. And I feel like people like me are very vulnerable to not putting their assets on chain because they're like, oh, yeah, 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 Matt, Matt. But don't worry about it, you know. But uh, times like this show that that's important. I do think custodians are important, too. It's not like everyone should be keeping their money on chain. You know, if your grandmother's interested in keeping crypto and she's never... Uh, you know, has very little technical skills with using a computer. Okay, fine. Custodian should exist, but maybe custodian should have way better regulation, way more transparency. Um, so the space today just doesn't have these things. It's like a requirement of when you're trusting someone else with your with your funds. Mm. Do you think this is good for Coinbase? No, Coinbase. No. I mean, so in the long term, maybe, but who knows who Coinbase is? You know, in who knows who Coinbase's counterparty risk is? I would say I would leave it at that. Right. This could be like far fetching and it's bad for the entire industry. I do think that it's good for, you know, US exchange other the other US exchanges on more like a three to five year on like a three to five year view. But at the same time, you know, and this is Coinbase lists a lot of coins that would be uh, questionable to say the least in regulators minds. They had a controversy with a insider that was trading on, you know, their their potential listings. I would say Gemini would be the the big winner in my head. Um, they're a lot more compliant, at least seemingly, you know, just from outsider point of view, they're more compliant with like government regulators. And I think that they might see a big step up. But again, I think everybody, this is bad for everybody, at least uh, in the short term. Matt, what were some examples of tokens that Coinbase listed that would be example of not blue chip tokens, for example? I don't even want to say the one that comes to mind because the name was so vulgar. But, you know, they just got a coin they'd listed, I believe, library just got, you know, the the SEC just said it was a security. Um, They have 100 plus assets listed, dog coins, pretty much everything. Um, I would say that I'm going to take a look real quick. But at the end of the day, they've listed a lot of stuff that's uh, distasteful, to say the least. Yeah, yeah. Take some time to to, to look. I'll uh, I'll just burn burn a little bit of of time. while we do that, yeah, this this really is incredible. Uh, also, Matt, do you so you know what I've always really liked about your framework from the first time I met you is that you know there are a lot of people in crypto who are like, I've got two frames of mind, bullish or super bullish, and you obviously are very <laughs> long term bullish on the space, but you you are aware that there could be times in crypto when the price action is unfavorable and in some cases extremely unfavorable. So like obviously you know no one has a crystal ball, but like gun to your head like over the next week or maybe two weeks. Do you think like crypto prices will be like much higher, a little bit higher, the same, lower, or much lower? Not financial advice, complete speculation, complete opinion, but I don't think we're done yet. You know, right now we're sitting at 1350 ETH, some odd, something, something around there. I could see us going a good amount lower, maybe even like, I don't want to give price predictions, but like, I wouldn't be surprised if we saw another $100 billion wiped off the crypto market cap. 
I do think that this will over the next period of time, call it two weeks, become a very good buying opportunity, at least in my head. But that is in no way advice for anybody else. Um, you know, I've spent a hundred percent of my time in crypto. It's like a completely different lifestyle than most. All I could say is like, do your own due diligence. Yeah. I mean, you've been in crypto like kind of longer than Sam Bakeman fried right? Uh, yeah, I believe so. I, I got into, like, I got in, very interested in Bitcoin when I was like a 14 year old in 2013. Um, and then when I was 16, 17, I, you know, really kind of got super deep in this space, building Ethereum mining rigs. And that was like 2016, 2017, and kind of just always been working crypto all through school. I uh, went to school for computer science and finance because I thought it would be good for learning about DeFi. Turns out that it was not so good for learning about DeFi, but it was a good experience. Um, so yeah, I've been in crypto for a pretty long time, but I'm not retired. So clearly I'm doing something wrong. <laughs> there we go. You, you got any, uh, you find those, those tokens on Coinbase? Sure. I feel terrible saying these ones because I don't even know what they are, but they have like ABBC. They have uh, plenty of Justin Sun Tron coins listed. Doge Elon Mars. I love that one. Doge Elon Mars. Good name. Um, you know, the list just goes on. I think that there's not a single comp, there's not a single crypto protocol that's in the top 200 that I haven't heard of. And I haven't heard of half the coins that Coinbase has listed. So it's like, you know, I don't know what they're doing to get listed. I don't know if they're paying. I don't know if they, what possibly could be their listing criteria at this point. But it clearly uh, they've listed some stuff that's gotten it's, them. It's, it's very lax. Yeah. So like if, if a hallmark of kind of unscrupulous behavior in TradFi is, and this is, you know, been going on for hundreds of years, listing a company that sounds exciting, but it sounds like it's legit. It, you know, it's like, oh, we're going to have we're going to be diving in the uh, ocean and uh, catching pearls and we're going to be selling those pearls for a profit. At least it hypothetically, it could make sense. I feel like in crypto, it really embraces the, the, the meme, you know, the memetic sort of nature of it where it's like, you know, Dojalon 69, 420. It's like, you're, you're not even saying that you're going to have this huge profitable business. It's kind of just like, you know, the narrative that people are, and, and yeah, so, so Coinbase is not at all scrupulous. It sounds like. I wouldn't say they're not scrupulous, but whatever they are being uh, difficult, whatever makes their whatever their listing criteria is, I'm sure it's you know actually pretty in depth. But it doesn't seem to it doesn't seem to care too much about longevity, potential longevity of a token. Um, it seems to care more about, I guess, potential likelihood of getting called a security and things of that nature. Mm. That's a, another guess. I'm not actually sure what their listing criteria is. That would just be speculation. Yeah, well, you, you were correcting my even more. Speculative speculation. So yeah, I think Matt, it's good. I've been making a few judgments throughout this. It's good that you're sort of uh, check checking me. Um, Matt, where can people find you on Twitter, and where can people find the work of Blockworks Research? If people have been listening to this and say, "Hey, this kind of this guy, he's a young guy, but it sounds like he knows what he's talking about," I want to see his work as well as some some the other analysts on it on the team, the Blockworks Research team. Yeah, where, where do people go? So a bit of a shameless shell, blockworksresearch.com, blockworksres on Twitter, R-E-S. What Blockworks Research really tries to do is get investable insights to subscribers. So whether it's going to be to avoid a, you know, a potential coin or narrative that's maybe not going to do so hot in our opinions, or if it's catching something before crypto Twitter, like a governance update, tokenomics update, anything like that. We spend most of our time on chain in discords and in governance forums. So like we, we, we tend to catch narratives before they get to other people. We write uh, pretty in-depth, long, long reports on them, but they're still digest digestible. So something like five to 10 pages, um, kind of different than a lot of the 60 to 80 page report models out there. And our whole, our whole idea is, you know, investable insights and investable data. 
we're, we're we just launched an alpha of our data product and kind of the idea of our data is charts with context so instead of like you know we're on api nothing like that more so it's charts that are supposed to help you with your investing and like we give context around them so like what we do with them and how we how we find them valuable so that's blockworks research and for me i'm a research analyst there find me on twitter at matt feedback f-i-e-b-a-c-h there we go matt it's been an absolute pleasure the final thought i want to say is that the traditional financial world you know i feel like market systems are inherently unstable whether they're relying on code or whether they're they're you know based in the 1700s and before a computer was even invented but central banking which gets a lot of flack in some cases i think for good reasons uh it has been quite successful in quelling instability in other words so during march of 2020 um you know, i was just just rereading this this book by by nick timoros like i mean the level of in, instability in the markets was so high of no one wanted to do a deal you you wanted to issue a bond uh you know in february you could get it at treasuries plus 50 basis points now you have to pay treasury plus 500 like it's not that the treasury it's not that the credit markets were expensive it's just that they literally weren't working um and the, because if the, because of the coordinate actions of the federal reserve and other central banks as well as well as governments um that you know, crisis was was kind of uh, avoided, and I, I feel like in the crypto world, one of the big principles is there is no centralization, and not just no there's no central bank uh, to sort of bail people out, and that's when when people were talking about Sam Bankman Fried as the J.P. Morgan of of his day, you know, J.P. Morgan saved the stock market uh, in 1907, and that was that was kind of the point of the analogy of like, oh, he's the J.P. Morgan because crypto needs a J.P. Morgan because there is no Federal Reserve. Like the Federal Reserve was created in 1913 because they looked at J.P. Morgan's bailout uh, in 1907 and said, hey, we actually need to, uh, you know, maybe it shouldn't be just one guy who's decided to save the market. Um, and yeah, now the J.P. Morgan of crypto is having a lot of problems. Yeah. And a lot of people would say that, you know, the solution to that is regulation. And while I think regulation is good, I think transparency is really the key word here. Your exchange should not be using your deposits to go do things like VC invest, if that's what, you know, Alameda and FTX were doing, who knows, but that's not something that should be going on. Celsius should not be giving all of their money out to a random trader to go trade in DeFi on a lot of Ponzi scheme type vibes. And it's just, uh, you know, we, we need more transparency in the space, especially from these centralized companies. With the DeFi and decentralized protocols, it's actually extremely transparent. It's unbelievable that I can go see exactly how much TrueFi owes, how much Alameda owes to TrueFi. Um, it's actually like beautiful because we have no idea right now how far the butterfly effect, how far the contagion from FTX and Alameda is going to go. So if it was all on chain, you know, everyone would know. There we go. Matt, it's been an absolute pleasure. Uh, thank you, everyone, for watching. This has been an emergency episode. Uh, we are filming the afternoon, early evening of Tuesday, November 8th. We hope to air it on November 8th, so it's as timely as possible. Stay tuned for my episode with Mike McGlone, a Bloomberg macro strategist, which will air on Thursday. And I may as well have a surprise uh, for the audience tomorrow on Wednesday as well, uh, depending on a few things. Thank you again, and uh, have a good night. Thanks so much for having me, Jack. It was a pleasure. Thank you so much for watching. A few housekeeping items before I let you go. Subscribe to the BlockWorks Macro YouTube channel so you don't miss another episode of Forward Guidance. 
Uh, you can find Forward Guidance, the podcast you just listened to, on your favorite podcast app. That's Apple Podcast, Spotify, Overcast, Podbean. That's uh, Podbean as in on this pod, I've been saying that the Fed pivot is still far away. In addition, please check out today's sponsor. It really helps the show. Link is in the description. Finally, BlockWorks is looking for a video editor. Go to blockworks.co slash careers to learn more. Thanks for watching.